Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Journal podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. I'm joined by Nick from Laker Supply to talk about a very eventful 2021-2022 Lakers season. So, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing good as well. Um, really excited to have you on. Uh, really have been looking forward to this conversation about the Lakers. Uh, obviously, been the most talked about team all season long. Um, and so yeah, I for better I, or worse. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, and so I want to get into um, just what happened to the Lakers this season. And I figured, you know, no one else better to talk about it than with you. And so uh, before we get into the Lakers themselves, just um, just tell the audience a little bit about you and sort of like your connection to the Lakers as a fan. So my dad grew up watching Magic and Kareem and, and uh, Shaq and Kobe in Showtime. Whenever I was, I want to say five, they actually had an exhibition game in uh, Charleston, West Virginia, where I'm from. So I went and watched Kobe, and I'm five years old. I mean, I, I don't remember it, but I have the ticket actually in the house. So from that point on, I started watching games. I remember watching him put up 81 on Toronto. I remember the 60, what was it, 61 and three quarters, 63 and three quarters. I forget the specific number. But I was a fan basically up until he blew out his Achilles. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm, I'm, you know, we sucked. So I'm watching basketball, just for basketball. I followed LeBron for a little bit to uh, – Miami and Cleveland, but I was still rooting for the Lakers. So I'm tracking B.I., Julie, or Julius Randle, Zoe, all those guys. Then when he uh, LeBron came in 2018, it was like a match made in heaven, basically. I'd watched you know, the Lakers from 06 to what was it, 2012 on and off for the next few years, up until basically until we drafted B.I., I was on and off. Then I was trying to catch every single game that I could. Gotcha. Uh, but, you know, from here on out, just – Lakers fan. Gotcha. So Lakers fan from the beginning kind of fell off a little bit, got uh, focused more on LeBron during that rough patch after Kobe. And now you're back. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. All right. So let's, let's dive into the Lakers, man. So let me take you back. Let's start all the way at the beginning here. Let me take you back to July 29, 2021. Uh, Shams tweets out that the Lakers have traded for Russ. Now at this point in time, once the trade becomes official, the Lakers roster looks like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and Alfonso McKinney. That was the whole roster on July 29th. Yeah. So when that happens, you know, I'm sure like everyone else, you spend about 15 minutes just tweaking out like, oh my God, Russell Westbrook just got traded to the Lakers. But once you settled down, what was your like initial immediate reaction to this trade? Well, if you remember, 15 seconds before Shams came out with his tweet, Woj said that the Lakers were moving on to t- send Coos and Trez to Sacramento for Buddy Heald. Yep. Then Shams comes out and says that Russ is going to L.A. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, we're getting both of them. So I got <laughs> hyped as fuck. I mean, I was so excited. If you get Russ and Buddy Hill, because I was thinking, you know, Dennis Schroeder signed a trade to Washington because, you know, they needed a point guard. If they were getting rid of Russ, obviously. So I'm thinking that's a real possibility. Then it comes out, and, you know, the days keep going by. I was like, okay we got a notification that the, the Westbrook trade was being expanded. So I was like, Oh, maybe this is it. It's three, four team. Cause then the Nets get involved and Spencer Dinwiddie there. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of confusing. They're going to send coos to the Brooklyn. Are we can get buddy. No, none of that happened. So it's a six team trade. It's like us, Washington, uh, Indiana, Brooklyn. There's two other teams I'm forgetting of off the top of my head. There's San Antonio and somebody else. Um, well, the Kings, right? Did you say the Kings? Oh, no, you said Sacramento. No, no, the, the Kings weren't involved. They, I, that's what I was hoping, that we were going to get Buddy and Russ. That's why I was so hyped. But once it came out that it was just Russ and then it was going to be through free agency, I was like, 
Well, they got to hit every single free agent signing. Right. And so the first day comes by and it's like Dwight, Kent Bazemore, uh, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Mello, Kendrick Nunn, and Monk came on like the second day. And I thought the second day went a lot better because, I mean, Monk, obviously, everybody knows he's super, he was a super talented young guy, got in trouble with uh, the drug policy. I think that was before the bubble shut down. Right. Um, could have been the year before. So that was, I love that signing. Kendrick Nunn, he's the only reason the finals went to sixth game in 2020. Um, I always thought he was, Miami fans kind of shit on him unnecessarily in the playoffs, thought he was a decent piece. He was, he was our fifth highest paid player after Ross, LeBron, AD, and then THT's 10 year con- or $10 million contract, which was a good deal at the time. Um, you know, I thought that those three plus or those two plus mellow, those were good signings. Retaining THT, I liked at the time. Um, Ellington, I liked. I thought he would have a decent role. Baysmore, I was iffy on because I had watched a few a ton of Warriors games in 2021. Mm-hmm. I knew that his 40% from three was an absolute fluke. <laughs> and in the first few games, I mean, he's not hitting any shots. He's, you know, I think at the first first month of the season per 36, I remember this. He averaged eight fouls a game for 36 minutes. And I was like, that you can't, that's not sustainable. You can't play him. Then, you know, they go through, they got Rondo back, whatever, replaced Jared Dudley off the bench. When they let Caruso go and let him walk to Chicago, that's when I knew we were kind of fucked. Mm. Um, I had said the entire year before in the group chat that we're in. Yep. That he was our most important role player. He had to come back no matter what because you can't throw out. Russ is a terrible defender. You can't throw him out there with um, a bunch of vet men guys expected to go well, which is what happened in case in point it went to shit. Right. So when it came out a little bit later on that he Caruso came back and wanted a discount, and they said no, and their actual what they actually said to him was, "What we're paying in the luxury tax actually." Is kind of what we want to give you, but we can't. So you see, we're paying more for you than your contract says. So if you take that into account, you still want to come back. He's not seeing any of that money. Why the fuck would he care about the luxury right. <laughs> Like that I mean, that's, that that him, is right. the cheapest, the cheapest move of the entire offseason. Was that right there? You don't get a trade exception. You don't get a, a second. You don't get anything from letting him walk to Chicago. Then they let Dennis walk to Boston. Same thing. You give up a first and Danny Green for Dennis. He walks for free. Um, you know, Eric Pincus, he's a Lakers beat writer for Bleacher Report. He came out with an article two, three weeks ago. And it was like, from champs to chumps, the Lakers fall from 2020 to now. And you go back through and you look at all the assets they wasted. Mm. Danny Green in that 2021 first, which turned out to be Jaden McDaniels. Good young player, 3 and D wing, which we needed. Everybody shit on Danny. I'm included. But he was still a good player. Dennis was a great player. I loved the trade at that time. But not getting anything back for him after he kind of pissed everybody off in the front office, that's just stupid. Letting Caruso walk for nothing. Um, sending a first out with Russ, who was widely considered the second or third worst contract in the NBA behind John Wall and um uh, Kevin Love at the time before he had Tobias Harris, Kevin Love, you have options there. Top three worst contract in the league, top four, whatever. 
You sent out a first with him when you're taking him back and giving up all this depth. That made no sense. And that turned out to be, uh, I forget his name now, but we were supposed to take Ayo Dosumo. That was the, the rumor that we had made a promise to him. He would not fall past 22. Right. And then lo and behold, he falls to the Bulls. He has a great rookie year. He'll probably make an all-rookie team, second team, if I had to guess. Um, just all the, all that clusterfuck. And then you go to um, Jason Kidd gets hired by Dallas. He's trying to poach Lionel Hollins off of our bench, which I think Hollins signed with Dallas or he might have just retired. I can't remember. Uh-huh. But they were going to take uh, Mike Penberthy, who was with Anthony Davis in New Orleans. They, you know, they're friends. Penberthy's a former Laker. He played for the 2001. He was one of three teams with Shaq and Kobe. Yep. And he, our three-point shooting percentage since he was hired, bottom third of the league both years. They gave him a spot on the actual bench as a, as a, one of the lead assistants. So that way he wouldn't leave. And Ramona Shelburne came out with an article today. That money was going to be used for Scott Brooks and for Lionel Hollins to, to bring both of them in. If they had just let kid take away Penn Murphy. Instead, they valued that a shooting coach who isn't good at his job over a former head coach and, or two former head coaches, yeah, one well, of which had a great relationship with Russ. The other was on our championship at the time people called it like super team of coaches. It was you know, kind of a joke, but yeah. you get the, you get what I mean. Yes. I didn't even know. I so, didn't even know that part about the Scott Brooks thing. And I think having him on the Lakers staff would have definitely helped. Like, like you said, the relationship he has with Russ. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, look at all the, all the issues that's come out this year with him and Vogel. You right. don't think Scott Brooks could have like been like the Russ whisperer, I guess, for lack of a better yeah, phrase. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, you felt pretty good. I mean, outside of letting Crusoe go, you seem to have felt somewhat optimistic, at least, about the trade um, going into the season, right? Yeah. No, I was – I thought going into the season – in uh, what's it called? Not spring training. Opening camp. Right. Um, whatever. I thought that we were the best team in the West with the Suns in second and the Warriors kind of a distant third because I didn't think Clay would come back the way – uh, who he was before. Mm-hmm. So I had us as the West favorites, but I still had Brooklyn as a team to beat. Okay. When we signed DeAndre Jordan in late July, early August, um, that's when I knew shit was not going to go well, like officially, just because Vogel has insisted on playing Anthony Davis plus another center for two years. Right. If you already have Russ, who can't shoot worth a fuck, like literally, not an exaggeration, the worst high volume shooter in the history of the NBA. Yeah, no debate against already, him. He is the you worst. You already have LeBron and AD who are at best average shooters from three. AD shot 19% for three this year. Right. I mean, I like his shooting struggles have been well chronicled this year. You've got him, Russ, and LeBron. You bring in DeAndre Jordan. That means you're either going to start him or Dwight Howard because I, I knew how Vogel thought and I knew it's, it's not going to work. Bringing him on, we had a defensive rating of like 102, 103, which was really good. Right. But the offensive rating was sub 100. It was the lowest by five points. <laughs> I mean, it was abysmal. Oh, man. It's 2022, and he wanted to try and run an offense all year. It's not just with, with DeAndre and AD. All year, he wanted to run a lineup that was like it was 2012 with him and Roy Hibbert in Indiana again. You can't do that. Yeah, an offensive rating under 100 is just disgusting. 
Like that is just so bad. It was it was pathetic. Like it was literally it was 98 something. It wasn't even 99 rounding up to 100. It was clearly sub 100. So all right, you're you're kind of flying through my points here. So I want to stop for a second and get to um get to Anthony Davis, talk about him specifically for a second. So obviously we know he went to an incredible level in the bubble, like a level that we've never seen from him before. He was shooting like over 60% from mid-range, just absolutely crazy right. numbers in the bubble. Um, come back, comes back the next year um, and is good to be sure, um, but doesn't quite build on the level that he played at in the bubble like many were expecting. Um, and then coming into this year, a lot of the same expectations were there. Um, just tell me about like what you were expecting from AD this year versus what we actually got from him. Because clearly, you know, injuries are a big part of it. But even before, like when he was healthy, just clearly was he not wasn't the same playing how we, how I expected. Right. Well, to backtrack from the bubble, the tw- the last season, 2020-21, he was clear he was on the injury report from the first preseason game. Um he was clearly hurt coming in. He came in out of shape. Mm. He should have been given like the the Mavs did with Porzingis. He should have been given a month off to get ready for the season, come in right. Um, because those injuries last year, those non-contacts, you can chalk that up to hey, he didn't train the right way. He didn't have time to train because it was the shortest offseason in professional sports history. Mm-hmm. People joke about it, say it's just an excuse. It's a, I mean, this is literally my job to strengthen condition anyone i work in a hospital so shortest off season ever you don't have time to recover you don't have time to go through normal strength progressions not everyone can be lebron james who's built like a tank and even he's starting to wear down right um so last year the injuries absolutely are on him this year he bulked up which at the time i thought was the right move you can see a very noticeable difference from game one of this year versus game one of last year. Yeah. The difference in his strength and his conditioning and things like that. Absolutely. The same thing happened with Kobe in 05-06 to start the year. He came in bulked up because he wanted to play the entire season. He knew he had to have Shaq on. It was all on him. What happened was he bulked up to the point where it hurt his stamina and his athleticism, and he wasn't the guy he was before. Now, Kobe's obviously – insanely more skilled than Anthony Davis so he could pass by it but he openly talked about I bulked up too much I put on way too much weight I had to cut back so that's what happened with AD he didn't have a stamina didn't have his athleticism there were easy lobs you know 2020 even last year when he was fat he was catching but um this year all that was sapped for the extra strength and before he got hurt with the MCL injury where um, I think it was Jalen McDaniels with the McDaniels for the Timberwolves. He fell into his knee and he tore his MCL right. up until that point. He was leading the league in point paints per game. Their paint points per game. Sorry. I think it was like 16 something points per game. And at that point he was averaging 24, 25 points. So everyone was saying he's too soft. He's not playing in the paint. No. 60 some percent of his points were coming in the paint. Right. The rest were free throws and the occasional jump shot. Um, I also think that with him on the court, our defensive rating was a top, top a top ten defense in the league. With him off, it fell to like number twenty eight or twenty nine. So he had to do so much defensively that he didn't really have the off energy for offense. And this isn't me making excuses for him. If he hadn't bulked up the way that he would have had more energy, right? Um, once he went down with the MCL tear, 
all the reports came out about him talking to Jared Dudley about how to lose weight because Dudley did the same thing. He dropped 20 pounds when he tore his MCL last season. Mm. And, you know, Dudley didn't play, obviously, so it wasn't like a big loss. But AD slimmed down. And when he came back, that 10-game stretch before he broke his foot, he averaged 28, 12, and, and 4. He looked like 2020, not quite bubble AD, but 2020 AD. Um. He had a couple, like, if you take out the broken game where he was on the minutes restriction, I mean, that's what his averages were. Yeah. Um, he had a couple stinkers, like the game against Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was nationally televised. Everyone shit on him for Giannis going off, which deservedly so. He didn't really get up for that matchup, which isn't has been an issue for him. But once he landed on Gobert's foot off of an absolute terrible lob pass from Malik Monk, had no business being thrown, um, you can't avoid that. That's right. just how his play style works. Like he is a high contact above the rim player. You were bound to step on some feet occasionally. It. I have seen through the media for the last few days, and then I'll turn it over to you to let you move on. Sorry. People saying he needs to revisit his strength and conditioning over the summer. Whatever he's doing isn't working. What he did is the only reason he didn't blow out his knee completely or break his, like, actually break bones in his feet and tear ligaments. The same thing happened to Kevin Durant, and he tore his MCL. Last season, John Morant did the same thing. He missed eight weeks. AD came back early, and now he's hurt with plantar fasciitis, which completely expected. And we just got a notification LeBron James is out for the rest of the season, so no scoring title for him. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll, get, we'll definitely touch on that towards the end. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think you know I think it was definitely very clear like at the start of the season that Anthony Davis was like physically just different. Like you can tell he had bulked up a lot, and while he was a lot stronger, like you said, it took away from his athleticism, took away from his stamina. Um, I do like I was on the side of I think this is good for AD. Like I think he needed to to bulk up. Um, going like into the off season, like what do you think he should do? Do you think he should continue? With, with the changes that he made or go back to sort of what he's doing before? Like, wh- wh- just what do you think, like, physically he should be kind of going for in the offseason? I think that he needs to get back to his uh, his 2016 – or, I'm sorry, 2018 Pelicans body type. If you look at the difference between him now and him then, and that's when he played 75, 76 games that that's year. Right. He, he's slim, but he's still strong up top and in his leg but he's flying around the court offensively and defensively um, you know, playing above the rim, like always with him being 29 and given the way that this season has, has drawn out or played out. I mean, I'm not sure anymore that playing him at center 82 games is feasible, mm-hmm. not because of the wear and tear on his body, but just because of, well, I mean, because of wear and tear on his body, sorry. Um, you can't help these major injuries like he had, but you can produce some of the wearing down because before he blew out his, or McDaniels fell into his knee, um, he was out. He missed two games before with that same knee soreness where he had bulked up and it was too much weight on his knees and he was sore. Right. So if you get him back to that 2018 archetype, um, I think that would be best for him. I think that's one of the challenges this off season be that in finding a Russell Westbrook trade or through free agency, you have to find a center who can, who's willing to bang down low, but also stretch the floor. Um, 
somebody like a Mark Gasol, who we had, but the front office alienated with Andre Drummond. He was the best center we had in the LeBron era. Yeah. Um, and we treated him like shit. He's gone. Same thing uh, before LeBron signed, or the, the year that he did sign, we had, look, sorry, we had Brooke Lopez on contract. He mm-hmm. walked as a free agent to Milwaukee for the biannual exception. Now he's over there getting paid $10, $11 million. He's a key. He's a starting center for a championship caliber team. We had that, and we let it go for nothing. So the challenge is going to be finding a stretch five who can bang down low and help take some of that strain off AD. But still, when it time it comes time to close out games, he can be the five. And we have those wings like we did with KCP, Caruso, Kuzma, Danny Green in the championship year, who can switch on defense and allow LeBron and AD to play the four and the five. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you said it well. Um, I was in the camp of AD should bulk up and play the five. But yeah, it's become clear that just over the course of an 82 game season, it's just not going to work. It's just not feasible. Um, but it yeah. is going to be, it is going to be tough. I mean, that's already a tough archetype to find the center who can, you know, bang down low and also stretch out to three. It's already tough to find. And now, you know, given the lack of cap flexibility Lakers have, that's, it's going to be a tough role to fill. It is the only, and I know you probably want to touch on Russ later, but the only way I can see this happening is if you trade Russ to OKC into their cap space and you take back, Mike Muscala, Derek Favors, and like a Kenrich Williams for probably both first-round picks it would have to be for OKC to be willing to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like actual assets right there from OKC. I actually really like Kenny Hustle, so. Yeah. I was big all season long, you know, send out two, three seconds to OKC for Mm. Muscala and and Williams. I think. But that's just the type of marginal moves that this front office is not good at making. But that's another topic. Yeah, or just not willing to make, but yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about Vogel. Um, you know, obviously, I think we all understand that you know Vogel Vogel is a good coach, deserves his respect. Um, obviously, has the title with the Lakers, uh, but really just did not meet expectations this year. Like on the one hand, I want to just sort of give him a pass because of the roster he was working with, but at the same time, like there's very clearly some things he could have done better. So. Talk to me a little bit about what your expectations were from Vogel um, heading into the season, um, and then we'll get into sort of how the season actually went. So from the very first day of training camp, um, Rob Palenka in his opening press conference said, we are going to rely on Vogel's defensive prowess to help us out this season. Like we, everybody with a brain cell knew this wasn't going to be the number one defense. I thought it could be a top 10 defense if they had played into the right schemes. But we spent the first 25 games of the year starting DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. playing drop coverage because that's the only thing he can play. He's right. old and slow and washed. We're playing drop coverage against guys like Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Um, any guard in the West who has a floater or a mid-range game lit us up. Oh, yeah. It was unreal. So – we're playing the wrong defensive schemes. We're playing the wrong guys. Um, DeAndre Jordan should have never been signed in the first place, should never have gotten playing time. He should have been out of the league three years ago. Yeah. I mean, the Nets sent, what, four second-round picks to the Pistons to get them off their books? <laughs> yep. yep. And see, here, here's another thing, just a little side tangent. We had Andre Drummond downgraded to DeAndre Jordan. The Sixers had Andre Drummond, best backup in the league, 
arguably, with JaVale McGee, who the Lakers also had let go. And then they bring in DeAndre Jordan, and now they're probably going to lose a playoff series because Doc plays DeAndre Jordan too much. Yep, that is Which almost I think definitely is just great. going to happen. That is almost yeah. definitely going to happen, yep. So, um, playing the wrong guys, playing the wrong scheme. Once we signed Stanley Johnson mm-hmm. to his – after his – three 10-day contracts. Once we got him on a regular two-year deal with a team option for the second year, he should have been the starter. It should have been, you can argue, benching Russ, but that was never realistic or feasible. Right. He, w- he would have been gone. So the best choice was Russ, Monk, uh, Johnson, LeBron, AD, when healthy, or Reeves in for Monk. Because Reeves is a he got shit for the Clippers saying the game plan was to target him, but he's a good team defender and an average individual defender. Right. Um, he's no Alex Caruso on that end by any means, just because he's, you know, he's white and people say he's the new Caruso. Um, he's not out on Alex's level at all on that end, but he can hold his own. So if you want to put Reeves in there for Monk, that's fine. That should have been the starting five. Russ, either Monk or Reeves, Johnson, LeBron, AD. I don't think that lineup ever started a single game together off the top of my head. Um, we had switching wings with Johnson and then Gabriel when we signed him, mm-hmm. LeBron, AD, all that. The defense could have been better towards the end because we started switching more. But by that point, he had implemented it too late and the team had just given up because we were 10 games under 500 at that point. We were too deep in the hole. Right. The, the real issue was um, we whiffed on Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza. Dwight is only good for one game every two weeks. DeAndre mm-hmm. George should have never been signed. Rondo was cut, or he was traded to go be benched by the Cavs. So there's five guys. You can count Wayne Ellington because he is so inconsistent with his shooting. If he's not hitting, he's worthless. So six guys out of the 24 that have played for the team this year that they whiffed on, that doesn't include. IT, who was on there for a 10-day, uh, Darren Collison for a 10-day, the G League guys that they played, um, but they didn't get serious minutes. I forgot Darren Collison came back. <laughs> yeah, he signed with the uh, the South Bay Lakers actually to help right. start uh, facilitate a NBA comeback. Um, but they just – that you can't win. If you bring in a guy like Ross who's going to make 47 mil, LeBron's going to make 42, AD is going to make 36. That's your entire cap sheet right there. You can't whiff on six, seven minimum signings and expect to succeed. Right. Trevor Reza, they brought in to be their perimeter stopper at 36 years old coming off an ankle surgery. It was never feasible. Mm. He hadn't looked good since uh, the 2018 Rockets when they blew that 3-2 lead to Golden State. Right. Yeah, that's why so, you know, when it comes to evaluating Bogle's season, like I'm kind of torn because – you know, I, I do think there's a lot of like bad rotations and just I re- I don't know at what point he just gave up because it does feel like at some point he kind of just put his hands up and said, what am I supposed to do? Um, but I, but I do feel like, you know, the minutes that he would be playing Avery Bradley against the Raptors, like I, I remember oh my very God, vividly. I forgot Avery Bradley. Yes, Holy you complaining shit. about Avery Bradley, oh. it's DJ Augustine minutes, um, just not playing the right personnel. And I just I don't know where, like how much to balance, you know, the tools he was given versus you know, how well he actually performed. Um, I mean, he's hey, definitely getting fired. I think that's, you know, without question. Oh, yeah. he, he should be, he should be fired. 
Yeah, I think um, you know, I, I think there's merit to it. It's not just a we need to change something type of fire. Like I think it's it's legit that like this pairing is just not working anymore. Um, a lot of Quinn Snyder rumors have been thrown out there. Are there any other names that you're thinking about just as a fan um, that you'd like to see so, at least get interviewed? As a fan with logic, who is not addicted to people who have only been a Laker, Quinn Snyder is a good choice. Kevin James, the, he's the quote-unquote offensive coordinator for the Suns. Mm-hmm. They're a top-five offense this year, have been both years, or both of the last two seasons. Um, he would be an excellent hire. Darvin Ham out of Milwaukee or Charles Lee, either one. They would be great. Sam Cassell I'd like to see interviewed out of Philly. The only guys I really don't want to see that I've seen linked so far are Doc Rivers, um, Mike Brown. Don't want to see him back. Don't want to see Mike D'Antoni. I don't want to see um, Alvin Gentry. He hasn't been linked so far to the head coaching spot, but you know, people always wanted him brought in as an offensive coordinator role for Vogel. He flamed out in Sacramento with the interim tag. He's not going to be brought back. So don't want him as a head coach. And then uh, I think it was the Athletic. They dropped a, an article earlier this week, or maybe it was last week. I forget which. And they said uh, Kurt Rambis. Or no, I'm sorry. This is Mark Stein. Mark Stein said Kurt Rambis could be an option to step into the head coaching role, but he's so, he is viewed as so integral to the front office that it would be most unlikely. What oh, the fuck has he done as a head no, coach or no, an executive no, 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 to warrant that kind of stature? Time, we got to address this. Mark Stein really reported that. I didn't see that. Yes, I will send you the screenshot if I can Please find it. it. Oh my god, we need Let to know. This wasn't even on my. I have a little like note card here with all the points I wanted to hit. This wasn't even on here, but we need to talk about this. We need just just give me give me two minutes on Kurt Rambis. Just go. Okay, let me put my phone down so I can go on filter. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to start God. with when he coached uh, Shaq and Kobe in the 1998-99 season on the interim tag. He, they went like 24-3 and three or something like that. Like ungodly to finish the season. They, they lost in the playoffs. Shaq and Kobe went to Jerry West and Jim Buss, and they said, we are not playing for this man. Hire somebody else or trade us. That's the greatest duo in the history of organized basketball. And they are telling you in t- 1999, this man has no qualifications to be a coach. After going 24 and three. <laughs> yes. Or whatever, whatever the record was, they were in, they were stupid good down the stretch with him as the coach. Didn't want to play for him. You've got Jeannie Buss, who is the owner of the Lakers now, obviously since Dr. Buss passed and she kicked her brothers out. Um, she has her, her girlfriend, Linda Rambus in there. Linda's obviously married to Kurt. Kurt was a Showtime player that, the only reason people know who he is is because Kevin McHale clotheslined right. on midair in a Lakers Celtics game. Let's be yeah. honest. That's the yeah. only reason he's known. You've got uh, Rob Palinka, who is Kobe's boy. Understand you can't fire him right away as much as it's warranted because of the links to Kobe. I fully understand that. There is no reason why Kurt Rambis should be viewed in a higher position than him and have a say in personnel moves. There was a report in fucking January that he sat in on a coach's meeting and said, let's play DeAndre Jordan more. He wanted to play DeAndre Jordan more minutes uh, after he had been benched. But he flamed out as the next coach. Phil Jackson hired him as the coach and then fired him a season and a half later or whatever it was. 
he has no qualifications to be in any position in basketball. He it's it, it's insane. I, I'm I was literally fucking stunned when I read that he was a candidate to coach, but he's viewed as too integral to the, the front office. Um yeah, I I just I have no idea. I don't know. Like you don't need to know much about what Kurt Rambis has done for this Lakers team to know that that would be like worse than the rust trade, honestly. Like, I mean, my God, by the way, uh, Kurt Rambis, what, yeah, you said he went 24 and three, whatever it was down the stretch. And yet still, yeah. Kurt, I forget what the minimum games coach is, but he has the third worst winning percentage of all time. That's yeah, funny. I know. That's how bad he was with the Knicks. And he, he was somewhere else coaching. I forget where uh, I'm pretty sure. Before the I believe and he was, it yeah. was the Wolves because they yeah. fired him for, uh, um, oh God, what's his name? The guy that took uh, um, Garnett to the Western Conference Finals in 03 or 02, I'm sorry, or maybe it was 04. one of those years. Garnett went to the Western Conference Finals and that was the coach they had fired for uh, Rambus. Oh, um, uh, Flip Saunders. I can't remember his name. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't want to say Flip, but Flip is his son, obviously. Or wait, um, no. No, What's yeah. His it's son's name? Ryan Saunders is his son. Ryan Saunders. Yeah. yeah he coached sorry. Timbers for years back. Yeah. I thought you said Philip Saunders. No, it is Flip. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So they so fired Flip is, for Rambus, right? Yes. So here is uh, um, it's not Mark Stein. It was Bleacher Report. Here it is, word for word. Quote There will be, there will certainly be other candidates to replace Vogel. Multiple league figures contacted by Bleacher Report referenced the possibility that Lakers senior basketball advisor Kurt Rambus returns to the sidelines after several previous coaching stops in the league, including an interim stint as the Los Angeles Lakers head coach. However, Rambus is said to be an integral figure in the front office and unlikely to resume a coaching role. My God. Well, honestly, I think for your sake, you should probably hope that that's the case because, you know, as much as we love to you know, exile him from anything Lakers related. It's probably better that he's just sort of like an advisor consultant type in the front office rather than the head coach. So I guess that, I guess that's good news somehow. In an ideal world, he's at home on his couch doing nothing, Yeah, but we don't live in an ideal world. We live in the world of genie bus where nepotism reigns supreme, who, you know, matters more than your qualifications. And I get it in every level of business. There's, levels of nepotism but this this is unheard of yeah the degree to which the lakers operate on it is it's pretty alarming um so they run it like a mom and pop shop it was cute in the 80s and 90s and with Shaq and kobe you can't compete with the steve balmers of the world who are billionaires spending as much money steve balmer is spending more money for a losing season or not a losing season a lost season than genie buses this year for a team that's he, supposed he to be right? Yeah. He dipped further into the luxury tax to bring in uh, Norman Powell mm-hmm. and Robert, Robert Covington, two pieces who fit beautifully with them long-term, and Kawhi and Paul George combined for 30 games. And it was all Paul George. Right. And they, by the way, they got those two guys from Portland for nothing, just as a quick yes. note. But, um, they, uh, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think enough people realize because just how big of a brand the Lakers are, just like how popular they are. I don't think enough people like realize that like the buses are not billionaires. Like they make money off the Lakers and yes. the Lakers only like that is their business. You know, like the Lakers fucking applied for a PPE loan during the pandemic. Like 
the only professional sports team in America to apply for a small business loan a during the early days of the pandemic. Loan. The only reason <laughs> they gave that money back. The only reason they gave the money back is because the report came out that they had been accepted for one. If that had never gone public, they're taking that money and they're running from with it. Exactly. You've got Dave McMiniman on on uh, what's the new show that replaced the jump? NBA Today on ESPN, Mm -hmm. and he says, "Yeah, the Lakers have to get in. They need this playoff revenue money. It's not about they need to give LeBron James and Anthony Davis a shot to compete. It's Genie Bus needs this money. Right. That was the point that he made." Man. Yeah. So yeah, the Lakers are not the sort of um I want to say not first class, but just not, you know, they're not funded by billionaires. You know, this is, you know, the owners make money <laughs> off of this, not you know, real estate or fucking Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. You know? So if we if we're being completely blunt, they operate as if they are a small market poverty franchise, is what people say is a joke, but that's the truth. That's how they operate. You're in the second largest market in America the third most valuable team in the NBA behind the Knicks and the Warriors. And it's like head to head with the Warriors each day they go back and forth. If you are cutting corners on spending between luxury tax on Alex Caruso, finding qualified assistant coaches on your bench, finding a president of basketball operations to oversee Rob Palenka like magic did when everyone in the fucking league hates Palenka from his days as an agent, Mm-hmm. And they don't like doing business with him, which has been widely reported. If you were cutting corners on that, so that way you can pay your best friends to be in power and tell you yes to everything, you're an idiot. That is the reality of the Lakers. I do want to uh, just touch quickly, though, on Quinn Snyder. I wanted to ask you because he does seem to be like the most popular name because for one, um, I mean, I do think he's the best coach among the potential candidates, but also it does seem uh-huh. that you know, the Jazz are about to blow it up, him included. But I do think, like, is there any concern about, you know, if you were to hire Quinn Snyder, like, do you have any concern about sort of just, like, his lack of adjustments or, like, his commitment to his system? Because you watch the Jazz play, and it's like, no matter what happens, like, they're playing that way. Like, they don't really adjust to what the opponent's giving them. Does that give you any concern in terms of a potential hire? It does. Um, I kind of view Vogel and Snyder in the same light. The only difference being that, Snyder has an actual offensive system that as long as he's been the coach of the Jazz, they've been top 10, top five, some years in offensive efficiency. They won right now. Yeah. They're in first in offense right now. Yeah. Frank Vogel, the only reason we were top five in 2019, 2020 was because LeBron and AD were the two best players in the NBA. Including the playoffs. I'll let you have it. Yeah. Including the, including the playoffs. Cause you know, Giannis had his flame out at that point, which was a yearly tradition. Those two in the, for the, First game to the championship game were the two best players in the league. Okay. This podcast has gone on too long for me to debate you on that. I'll let you have it. So we'll keep going. Okay. That's fair. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so you have, you're piggybacking off the greatness of those two. This year, with all of that offensive talent, you look at Malik Monk, Russ, LeBron, AD, Carmelo, go down the line. You would expect a top five, top 10 offense. They were 23rd before they were eliminated. Because they have no system. It's pickup ball at the YMCA. Right. The, it's, there's, there's no scheme. There's no flow. When, when Vogel was sick with COVID and he missed six, seven, eight games in December and in January, mm-hmm. the offense at that point, um, our efficiency was like 120 points per 100 possessions. Like it was ridiculously good. But during that stretch, is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, because Fisdale took charge and he was running offensive sets. Now, Fisdale said he's a bigger idiot than Vogel. He has no idea how to coach defense. But the offensive schemes were clearly there. They'd been implemented. Everyone knew what they were doing. Vogel just chose not to use those schemes. He wanted to use his. And it's that stupid-ass horns play that they have ran for three years that the league has figured out. They figured out 100 times over. It's having Anthony Davis post up on free throws instead of on the block getting rebounds when we gave up more offensive rebounds on free throws than any other team in the league, it felt like. And it's not like this is AD saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go down here and post up. You guys got it. He was on the block rebounding in New Orleans for eight years when he was there. This mm-hmm. is, and it only started when he came to LA with Mogul. Right. I mean, the schemes are just non-existent. With Snyder, they're at least there. But he, I mean, it's like you said, he doesn't adjust. He's just as stubborn as Vogel. It's his way or the highway. Um, Vogel was a great in the playoffs, a great game-to-game adjuster. In games, though, he was clueless. Snyder, from what I have seen, and I don't watch the Jazz religiously, I just mean playoffs and a few regular season games. From what I've seen, it's his system, no adjustments. Yeah. I could be wrong, but there are very few adjustments that I've ever seen. Um, you know, it's not Doc Rivers level bad where you have Kivicha oh. Zubach guarding, you know, Jokic, double, you have him getting double teams to help him guard Jokic or getting burnt alive by Jamal Murray on cuts, basic cuts. But right. then you have Trez guarding him in single coverage, getting burnt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jokic coaching in that, or excuse me, Doc Rivers coaching against Jokic in that series was pitiful. But yeah, if we if we hire Doc Rivers and Russ is oh, back, I that think I'm just, just going to give up. If the Lakers hire Doc Rivers, that's like the perfect like, it's the perfect wrong hire. You know what I mean? Like it would just make. Them oh yeah, I, I said the other up. day in the chat as a joke. It's Frank Vogel with with a darker skin tone. That's really the only thing that changes. And that's not me being like fucked up. That's just how Doc Rivers operates. He's very stubborn. He's stuck in his ways. His his offensive schemes are ancient. Um, it's just who he is. You're not going to change a 60-year-old man to coach to the modern NBA. It's just the fact of life. Yeah, Doc, Doc Rivers is who he is. That's very much clear. Um, so I want to I want to move topics and talk about because I, I want to be able to, you know, talk about this responsibly, you know, as a Celtics fan who obviously doesn't like the Lakers, has never been a big LeBron fan. You know, oh, I want to make this shit. I want to make sure that, you know, my slander is properly dished out. You know, I want to do it responsibly, you know. So I yeah. want to ask you and just Absolutely. make sure that I'm confirming into when we get into, you know, what LeBron's role is in all of this, you know, like how much he is responsible for this Lakers season, because. You know, going back to last summer, you know, it, it came out that him and AD were actively recruiting Dame. Like they were trying to get Damian Lillard to. Oh, they took trade. meetings with everybody. Yeah, yeah, right. He, they, they were going after everyone. But Dame seemed to be the biggest one. Um, and when that didn't work out, when he told him, no, I'm staying in Portland, that's when it seemed to shift gears towards Russ. Now, obviously, they don't make that Russ trade because, you know, they had the Buddy Heel trade already lined up, you know, told Woj about it. Um, they don't right. make that trade for Russ if not for LeBron and AD signing off on it. So that much, I think we can credit to LeBron. Like LeBron wanted Russ on the team. He approved that move. Um, Absolutely. The the types of things that I think you can't blame LeBron for, you know, when it comes to the supporting cast, like it's not LeBron's fault that the Lakers wouldn't offer DeRozan a third year or that they wouldn't give Caruso the extra like half a million or whatever the difference was um, that the Bulls were offering. Um, 
you know, like he didn't, he didn't make the, the DeAndre Jordan signing or, you know, it's not his fault that Kendrick Nunn got the mid-level exception and then didn't play a single game. So I'm just trying to balance, you know, how much I can blame LeBron essentially for this season. So if I'm doing a pie chart, I would say it's 60% front office, which is, you know, Jeannie, Polinka, the Rambi, all of them. The Rambi. So 60%, <laughs> the, the 60% for the front office. I, a Lakers beat writer on Twitter, he kind of trademarked Rambi to describe them, which, you know, it took off. That's so <laughs> I would say 60% for the front office, mm-hmm. 15% Frank. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Let me do 55% front office. Okay. And then 15% a piece for Russ, Frank, and then LeBron on AD. Because it's been well documented that Polinka talks to both of them about any moves that they make. Mm-hmm. So with the free agent like meetings, Dame said no. Weren't going to get him anyway for being realistic. Um, they had tried to get the, the plan was for them to try and talk to CP3 until they, he made the finals with the Suns. Um, just because of the connection with LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I think if I remember right, plan A was Dame and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal wasn't realistic either. Plan B was Chris Paul and Russ. And wait, then, wait, wait. So uh, plan A was Dame and Beal? Dame or not both of them. But oh, like, okay, okay. T- like tier oh, A was Dame and Beal. You know what okay. I mean? Right, got you. Okay, right. Yeah. So it was like Dame and Beal first options uh second choice was like cp3 ross and then buddy was third demar snuck into the picture from what i understand and what he has said um he said he thought he was going to the lakers it was a done deal mm-hmm. um because he was a free agent obviously with tampering and all that shit that happened with the bulls and the heat this right. uh past season with tampering and the investigations the lakers don't want to be caught up in that because if they get fined genie bus is out of a beach house <laughs> so um, didn't want to fool with the tampering. They had talked to him and his agent about a three-year deal. The Lakers, for whatever reason, are insistent on preserving cap space for the summer of 2023. Why? We don't um, Yeah, we really don't know because the only big free agent that's available that year is Nikola Jokic. And he's going to sign an extension as soon as he's available this summer. He's getting a super max. He won the MVP. He's probably going to repeat. Back-to-back first-team All-NBAs, I mean, top five player. So he's not leaving the Nuggets. Uh, Kyrie's available. He's not leaving Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. And do you really want him with all the off-court issues he's had recently? James Harden looks cooked if he doesn't sign an extension and he opts into his deal. Um, Bradley Beal signing an extension for $50 million a year, which is a mistake, but it's neither here nor there. There are no star free agents that year. If the plan is to replace LeBron and build around AD, the only one that's there is Jokic, and he's gone. I don't know why they're so obsessed with that unless they're looking at that as, hey, this era's over, we'll trade AD, clean clean sheets, we're good. Um, yeah, if it that, were me, that I'm, giving, seems I'm giving DeMar the third year and I'm moving on. Yeah, that, that almost seems to make more sense that they're kind of just like clearing out the books rather than like thinking that they're getting someone with that space. That almost makes more sense to me. Yeah, because – the deadline they didn't want to trade any first to get off Russ that's why they kind of aborted the season at that point yeah once Um, they once they like they didn't make any moves at the deadline that's when I knew they had packed it in like 
it, they weren't willing to move any assets like future assets to, to help in the short term. And that's when I knew they had packed it in. It was one, two, three Cancun at that point. To yeah, me, it least. really was. No, I agree. Especially whenever you look at the fact that not 10 days later, AD goes down with his foot sprain. I mean, that was it. That yep. was the end of the year. Yeah. So, um, shoot, what was the point that we were talking about? Honestly, we can we can we can move on. So I want to get I want to yeah. talk about um I want to talk about the off season now. Um, obviously, you know the Lakers are officially eliminated eliminated from uh from playing contention. Just quickly though, would you have rather seen them make the plan, or are you glad that they're just out? And oh, they- absolutely not. I hate to watch this team. There's not a person in America who's happier this year is done than me, and that's not <laughs> me being an ass. It's just true. This team, yeah. I hated watching them from the second time they blew that big lead to the Thunder. I was. I, uh, I knew that this wasn't going. This team wasn't going to win a championship. They had a the, puncher's chance, sure, but they should never be considered the favorites. Yeah, when they when they did that the second time to OKC, like the first time, it was like, oh my god, wow, like I can't believe that just happened. But when it happened a second time and they blow that huge lead to OKC, I mean, yeah, I knew it was, were, in, I knew it was the second time in like ten days. Right. Yeah, it was only done. a few days later. Yeah, that it happened. Right. All right. So going into the off season. Um, obviously there's going to be a ton of changes like this roster will look entirely different, better. We'll see, but definitely different. Um, objective number one clearly is finding a new home for us. Do you think like, I'm sure you've, you know, I know you come up with fake trades all the time for us. Anytime yeah. like the slightest rumor comes <laughs> out. Um, so in terms of like what you think could actually happen, are there any rust trades out there that you, that you could see actually going down in the summer? Cause I don't really see one. So maybe OKC, but I'll let you go. I I have been pretty consistent that $47 million for any team that is looking to rebuild or that flames out in the playoffs and looking to blow up, that's going to be valuable. So um, I know that people say the Knicks are insistent they're not going to do it. I'm not so sure. I look at the Knicks as an option. Um, Charlotte's an option, as it was reported, because they're about to pay Lamelo and Bridges max extensions, probably both of them. they need to move off of the long-term Hayward money. Kelly Oubre has uh, long-term money. And uh, um, Terry Rozier just entered the first year of a four-year extension. I would, I'm very skeptical that they would include Terry Rozier in that trade. But I could definitely see like a Hayward, Oubre, Plumley for Russ and a first. Um, just going off math. So the Knicks, the, the Hornets, the Thunder, you know, because of Russ connection, they have the cap space. I wouldn't do that deal personally because I'm not trading two first-round picks for Mike Muscala and Kenrich Williams. Even if it gets you off Russ, I think that's the absolute worst move. I would rather stretch and wave Russ than do that. Um, I think the Rockets are an option with John Wall, and if they take on long-term money like uh, um, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, something like that, mm-hmm. that's an option. Um Nobody has reported this. This is just me speculating. But if the Jazz get like swept in the first round and they blow it completely up, they send Donovan Mitchell to like the Knicks or the Heat, Rudy Gobert to Dallas. They're looking to move off these role players. You got forty-seven million dollars expiring in Russ for like a Bogdanovich, a Conley, and somebody else. That could be valuable to them with picks to incentivize it. Um, again, none of this stuff has been reported. It's just me going off the head. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Russell Westbrook in Utah 
is probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, probably not going to happen. <laughs> I think that's number one. Say. Number one, because the fans exactly. yes. hate him. Yes, the relationship I mean, he, there is I mean, not the, great. <laughs> there would definitely be some racism related yeah, that instances. Definitely, uh, if that were definitely the case. wouldn't be um, a warm welcome if, if that happened. But uh, no. I, I I'm thinking about the Hornets because. I saw the report that came out. I don't know if it was yesterday, two days ago, whatever it was, that they might be interested in Russ. And like, I guess, yeah, sure, you're getting off the long term money so that you can afford the Lamelo and the Bridges extensions. But I don't know. I, I like to me, like I know he gets hurt. You know, you can't rely on him. But like Hayward's really good. Like Hayward is a really good player. And to just because to yeah. me, like if if you're trading for Russ, like the jazz situation that you just described makes a lot of sense. Like here's this $47 million expiring contract that will just, it's be a $47 million restart. If you yeah, look if, at it. Yeah. It just, it's yeah. It's a reset. Yeah. So like, I can't see the Hornets deciding like, let's throw away next season so that we can set up our books for the long term. Like, well, I, I don't know. You also have to look at who the owner is and Michael Jordan. Valid. He loves Ross. That's that's now true. I'm not, Obviously, I'm not saying that like him being a Jordan brand ambassador is going to play a factor in the trade, but um, you know, it could. I mean, it could be a part of could, they have interest, though, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like maybe like a five percent part yeah, of it. But yeah, right. realistically, any team trading for Russ, you have to look at it as they are going to buy him out, and it's a it's a, like we said before, it's a, it's a reset. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play for them. There's no on court reason for him to play for the Hornets because it would stunt Lamelo's growth. Right. It would stunt exactly. uh, not Washington. Um, Bridges growth, um, Boonite. Really, is it Boonite I mean, or Bonite? Is, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like people shit on Tht. He just dropped forty points on the Warriors last night. <laughs> like it's. I got in our group chat this morning. I made. I came in as joke. I said, "Wow, who would have thought that playing a ball dominant player without Russell Westbrook, who turns him into a spot up shooter, looks good with the ball in his hands? Who the fuck stuff. would have thought?" It's incredible. Yeah. it's incredible what happens when you put the ball into the hands of so, an on-ball creator. Look, I mean, look, he stunted THT's growth. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but again, just he just put up 40 points. You have to have talent in the NBA to put up 40 points in right. any game. So stunted that growth. Um, you don't want him doing that to any of the Hornets young guys. So I look at it as a $47 million buyout reset. Um, I Again, the Hornets are what the tenth seed, the ninth seed right now. They're in the play and locked in 100 percent for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Maybe Michael Jordan looks at us like, oh, you know, this tax sheet is going to get expensive next year. Let me get off these guys so I can save money to pay the actual good players when we're going to be good. Because I mean, he's—I'm not calling Michael Jordan broke or anything, but he's definitely one of the less wealthy owners in the league, if I had to imagine. Right. Yeah. Um. And that's not, like I said, it's not a shot against them. It's just reality. So maybe look at, I, I don't think the Hornets are entirely realistic because of that, because they are still trying to win or mm. to build a culture. Um, you trade Ubre, Hayward, and uh, Plumley. That's a good starter and two good backups. Exactly. Yeah. It's a lot of value for someone who you're going yeah. to buy out. Now, if you have to include a couple picks for that, I would absolutely do it. I'm taking 40 games of Gordon Hayward over Russ oh, yeah. at 78 like this year. Yeah. Anytime I have the choice. Yeah. You, I so, mean, just uh, because I know, I know that you know it and I don't what like starting this off season, what picks do the Lakers have? Like just in total. So, what picks do they have? 
to trade or just that we have? Just just that in, you have in total. I guess give me both. We have yeah. we will have the 2023 pick. It's Your either ours or the Pelicans. It's either going to be ours or the Pelicans. Okay. They have the right to swap. So okay. we'll get the least favorable of the two. The Pelicans have the right to choose either our 2024 or 2025 picks. So we'll have one of those again, depending on what they want. And they can wait um, with that, right? Like they can wait like the. the well, they can wait with draft. that right up until the very last moment. Like right. once the lottery has been decided for 2024, they'll make their decision. Gotcha. Now they okay. can wait up until draft night. And make, oh, hey, yeah, we want this guy. Give him here. But yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. That that was the worst part of the AD trade. That did not need to be included. Anyway, we have 2026. From there on, everything is ours. The only two that we can trade, though, are 27 and 29 because of the, the back-to-back trade rule. Right. But even with that, we can do swaps for 2025 and 2020. Uh, I'm sorry, 2026 and 2028. So we have two firsts and two swaps we can trade this offseason if need be. Okay. Plus like seven or eight seconds. So this notion that people say, oh, the Lakers don't have picks. It's not true. The only pick we don't own out of our next 10 years is just one. It's just that we can't trade them because right. of rules. Right. Yeah. So they do still have some assets, I guess, to work with. Like it's not entirely just void of, of any assets. Um, do you think, like, what do you think, um, Malik Monk's value is going to be like, do you think there's a chance you guys bring him back? I think there is. Um, him and his brother did an interview with the athletic and they said they're very loyal people. They want to be back with the Lakers. They love it here. Obviously it's a business first, as everybody says, it's the old cliche, but it is. Um, I, I don't think he gets more than 10 million a year just because no contender is going to pay or no contenders have cap space. Right. He's going to be 25. What rebuilding team is going to take him on at 25 years old and view him as a, as a centerpiece? Right. He, I mean, he at this point in his career, he's like a Lou Will spark plug off the bench guy. Yeah. Um, in that same vein, he is also as bad of a defender as Lou Will was, so that limits his value. So I, I don't see. Any, I think seven million is probably the most he would get hypothetically. I think that sounds about right. Like I think. If someone has more than the mid-level exception to offer him, I could see that being offered. But like roughly mid-level exception feels like his value. Yeah. Sort of like the deal Kendrick Nunn got this year. Yeah. So like I think the MLE, the mini gone. MLE this year is like six and a half, actually. It gets gone up with the salary cap. Yeah. So yeah, I could um, I could see him getting that. I could see that for him. Now the issue with the Lakers is. Do you want to pay him that MLE money versus going after a wing like TJ Warren coming off two years of injury? He's not going to have a lot of value. You can maybe get him for that. Hypothetically speaking, I hope it's realistic. Yeah, you could take a take a flyer on him. Kendrick Nunn is going to opt into his $5 million option. So if you want, you could view him as the Nunn replacement or as the Monk replacement. Mm-hmm. And you use that MLE elsewhere in a position of need. Um, Just quickly, do you know what the hell is going on with Kendrick Nunn? Why, like what? so like how has he been out the entire season with the knee bruise do you have any like info on that no I, ha- I have no clue i've never heard of a bone bruise being out the long the average missed games is like 12 for a bone bruise and that's including whenever joel and bead missed an entire season himself with a bone bruise yeah i don't that, that has been such a weird story this season that he's just so frank not frank a Vogel did no there's just no update. He yeah. he did his final update on Kendrick Nunn last night. He said every time he ramped up, swelling flared up, 
he had to be shut back down. I fully expect in the offseason he's going to have a surgery and they're going to do a scope and clean something up in his knee. Yeah. Got to be something. That, that's, that's such a you can't scenario. be mad at him for injury. Like Nobody oh, can no, of control not. injuries. No. But it's still funny seeing the post. It's like, have you seen this man? He stole $5 million from the <laughs> Lakers. <laughs> that, stuff, oh, that stuff's still funny, but you can't be mad at him. Yeah. What is funny, though, too, is um, and I, I will go through this quickly, but AD talking about, oh, we'll never know what this team could have been. I think it's oh, very I know clear. What like, I, I know like, what they could have been. Yeah, they went – I wish I had the numbers right in front of me, but they went something like 19 and 21 when LeBron and AD both played. Like, they, like so no matter was, like which combination of who was actually playing, their record is like 500 or worse, no matter what. We know no, what it's, it is, is 500 or worse. So yeah. it's LeBron and AD together are 11 and 11. With right. Russ playing with them, it's 11 and 10, the one loss being the game in Portland where LeBron and AD – like purposely through the game, like, hey, we're not playing with these guys. Get them the fuck out. Get us some help. And the front office said nothing. Yeah. So 11 and 10 when all three play. Obviously, it's not good, but um, like I caught myself the other day thinking, well, you know, they, they get better role players. They could bring Russ back. You're not getting better role players. No, you're not. You're not. They're vet minimum guys for a reason. Yeah, they they did about as good as I think they could have. Like post rest trade, like they honestly didn't do that bad of a job filling out the roster with what they had. And like it's not it's not good enough at all. And you're not getting any better than that. No, like you're not gonna you're not gonna find a Malik Monk level player in free agency like that. No. Um. The, okay, so I think it was you who said that Melo was a below average player. I, he I was good. He was up until Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, After yeah, Thanksgiving. I, he shot under 34% from three yeah. for the rest of the year. Yep. And so the I, one I, value I, he provided, he didn't even do that. Yeah. Funny enough, I was only right about that when I wasn't saying it because while I was pushing that narrative, he was balling out. Like he was shooting 55% yeah. from three at home. Like he was, he was absolutely hooping. And I said, wait, just give it time. And then I kind of forgot about it. And surely enough, he fell off. But uh, no, I, I mean, it's, yeah. So this is this is running pretty long. I do want people to actually listen to this as much as like we could keep going forever. Like I've really enjoyed this conversation, yeah. but uh, I do want to wrap you. it up. So I'll come f- full circle with this. So if I came to you on July, we'll say July 30th or even like August 4th, the roster has been filled out at this point. If I came to you on August 4th and I said, Nick, the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs. They are not going to be in the plan tournament. They're going to be the 11 seed right next to the Kings. And LeBron is going to play like 55, 60 games. That's not the reason why. Um, what do you think your first reaction would be? How many games did AD play? That's the first thing I would ask. Because I said from the beginning of the year, based off the roster construction, you have good enough guards to get you through, in theory, if Kendrick Nunn plays. You know, you've got Ross, who I didn't expect to be this bad. You've got Malik, who I was very high on, Kendrick Nunn. I thought Kent Bays would be better than he was, but not what he was last year. Mm-hmm. You've got LeBron James, obviously. Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan are not NBA caliber bigs anymore on a night-to-night basis. So the only center that you have at a respectable NBA level is Anthony Davis. If he misses more than 20, 25 games, I would have believed you. And lo and behold, he missed half the season. Mm-hmm. And again, fluke injury is not his fault, but I would if you had told me he only played 30 – six games or whatever it is, 39 games, I, I would believe you. 
they right. missed out, right? Yeah. No, that's totally fair. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I don't know how much worse this Lakers season could have gone in all honesty. Um, I mean, I guess LeBron could have gotten hurt something like, you know, dramatic like that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, th- this has really been, and I mean, as a Celtics fan, I have not enjoyed, I've not re- enjoyed rooting against the team as much as this Lakers season, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. Like this has been as, as someone who enjoys like watching the Lakers fail, like, this has been such a joy, man. Like, it just... Oh, I've enjoyed it, too. I, I oh have loved God. it. I just want them to week, lose 50 games. It felt like games. all season long. Like, every week there was something new, whether it was, you know, those two OKC blowouts or... Dude, it was something new. Every single, every was single night it was. And it's it's been it's been great entertainment for me. Um, I know it's been entertainment for you and also painful at the same time. Um, the fact that... You I'm know, not kidding. Been, when I say the most painful part of the season was whenever Anthony Davis went off for like 30, 35 against the Clippers. Russ sucked dick the entire game like usual. Um, they come out of a timeout. They're down one. They set up and they run a perfect lob between Russ and AD to take the lead against the Clippers. Reggie Jackson comes fucking crip walking, skipping up the court, <laughs> scores with ease. And I was like, that's it. That's it. We're done. Oh, I, I lost my shit. And then oh you God. just go back and you look at the picture. Reggie Jackson has the biggest smile on his face. Yes. He's like, oh, yeah, this shit's going to be easy. Because he's yes. like, oh, I got Russ in front of me. AD's in the other corner. There's no help side defense. I got this. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That is that is a, such a perfect place to end. All right. Nick, is there anything anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? This has been great. Dude, I, I got nothing. I'm down bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you got to at least plug your own Instagram page, at Laker Supply. Um, yeah, you don't you post go. as often as I would like for you to, but I need to get into it more. I've been working a lot at the hospital. Fair. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing more important things than posting about <laughs> the Lakers on Instagram. But yeah, whenever you do come in with a post, like you're always, you know, it's, it's always a very level-headed, like rational take on the Lakers. It's always very insightful. I got a big one coming up in the next couple of days. Actually, I want to wait until we're officially eliminated or not eliminated, but the season's officially right. over. And then I'm it's like uh, I said before with Eric Pincus, like every single mistake, I'm doing the same thing and like my correction to it. Oh, awesome. Um, Sweet. I'm going to come right. out with an off-season guide here in the next few weeks. A lot of shit's going to come out. Awesome, dude. Awesome. So, yeah, everyone make sure you go follow at Lakers Supply on Instagram. Uh, two Nick, S's. Yeah, two S's. Lakers Supply. Um, so, Nick, thank you so much for coming on, man. This, is, this has been a blast. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, next time or next time you want me on, just let me know. Absolutely. I mean, happy Lakers. We can just chop it up over anything. Yeah, for sure. All right. This has been the Hoop Journal podcast. Make sure you guys leave a like, leave a rating, subscribe, do all those algorithm type things podcasters tell you to do. You you already know the deal. And uh, I'll talk to you guys in the next episode.